Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to the Paleo View, listeners. I am excited. It's episode 342, and we have a cute little surprise for you later in the show. Hey, Sarah. Good morning. I can say good morning to you. It's a little bit creepy, actually. It's daylight out, and we're recording. <laughs> I know. It's like the weirdest thing. We're actually uh, pre-recording this episode a few days in advance of when we normally record, because I, in a couple of hours, will be heading to the airport to fly to Portland for the Nutritional Therapy Association annual conference, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to be a keynote Saturday morning. And, uh, and then I realized, oh, hey, I'm going to arrive home like 11 p.m. Monday night when we normally record and it's not going to work out very well. I'm going to be tired. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be great for you just to get home and relax and not have to worry. And I'm glad we could do this. It's kind of a snow day here for me. So I'm just home and we get to, we get to do something different and fun. So I am excited because this week's show is about something you've been doing a lot of lately, something I've been doing a lot of lately, traveling, figuring mm-hmm. out how to eat with portable foods, whether that's snacks, lunches, whatever. We have a couple of questions we're going to answer. Um, and our sponsor this week is one of my family's favorite foods. Um, <laughs> Just favorite, like you didn't, you didn't go like favorite portable no. food. No, no, no. Favorite so me- snack food. You went all the way up to top category favorite food, like up there with like steak and chocolate favorite food. Yes. I'm not kidding. So when we order chomps, the boys, we get like a case of them. Usually I order them on Amazon or direct from chomps because it's the most affordable way is just to get them in bulk. I have to hide them from my children. (laughs) I'm not kidding. They will eat two or three and like hide the wrappers so that I don't know that they've eaten them when they're in the house. And um, while I love them and love that my kids are choking down some protein instead of junk food, um, that can be expensive <laughs> for a snack <laughs> to have if I have three boys and they're each eating two or three a day. So um, I have to hide them. But Anyway, what um, what I love about them, what my boys love about them, is that they're a softer texture. I have a hard time getting the boys to eat different kinds of protein snacks because of the texture. And mm-hmm. so Chomps has been one of those things. They're like a Slim Jim, um, and they just love the texture. However, if you don't want to take my word for it, <laughs> we've <laughs> recorded a little ditty of the boys telling you about how they fight. Over chumps. Hey guys, it's us, the kids. And we just want to do a quick PSA and say that chumps are really good. 
Um, yeah, we pack them in our lunches every single day to go to school, and they're a good snack for us. <laughs> they're really good snacking, like, so you, you, lo- you probably like them so much that you want to sneak them, but please don't do that. For the sake of your parents, just don't sneak them, but you probably want to eat them every day right, for lunch and everything, so yeah. That's obviously favorite food. So I have to tell you that I am fairly new to the chomps world. And that's because up until literally this month, every single flavor they had had nightshades. I think there was one one flavor that just had um, black pepper. I can't remember. I think maybe they all had nightshades. Um, And so when I've looked at chomps before, I really don't do well with any nightshades and my kids, I think because I don't cook with nightshades, they like they don't like any anything with any kind of because I also don't cook with black pepper. So they really gravitate to very, very mild flavors. And so it just never became a thing in our house. But then I um was talking with Chomps actually at Paleo FX last year, so like almost a year ago, and they had really heard from the community, the need for some AIP flavors. And they wanted to connect with me in terms of, you know, just taste testing, you know, making sure that their ingredients list was clean. And so literally this March, like March now, it's 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 now March of 2019, they're launching two new AIP flavors. And I've had the great privilege of being able to test, you know, taste the flavors um, as they were sort of being developed and going through the very lengthy approval process to bring a product like this to market. And so now these two new flavors, Italian style beef and sea salt beef have become like one of our go-to snacks in the house, but it's, it's really just like the last few months. Like it's, it's such a new, like for me, it's, this is a new find. And for you, this is like, yeah, we've been doing this for like years and years and years. And I'm like, ah, but chomps is new and exciting for me. The other thing that I would say is if you want to try chomps, a great place to get them is Trader Joe's. Um, When I'm not ordering them in bulk by the case, (laughs) uh, the boys see them at the checkout lane at Trader Joe's and that's usually they grab like a handful of them there. But if you, like me, want to hedge your bets and get a case of them, (laughs) the... Yeah, or two. The best deal is going to be going to chomps.com slash the paleo view, and you can use the code the paleo view for 20% off and free shipping. And I myself am going to be taking advantage of this code. <laughs> I'm so excited. Chomps is offering this to you, our listeners, and to me and my family. Um, so chomps.com slash the paleo view, the paleo view for 20% off plus free shipping. And you will definitely be able to find all the different sizes and flavors, the AIP ones and the more classic older flavors on their website for sure. So I am excited about this. I have not yet tried the Italian style beef, which has like meatball, like like oregano, garlic, Mm -hmm. onion, basil. Um, That sounds like a, like a, a meatball pizza kind of flavor yeah, that it is, is going to be fun. It's um, it's hard to just eat one. That's how good it is. Uh, it's kind of like a, which is why you need a case. And if you're my children, right. you don't no, eat just no, one. The, the Italian, the Italian style of beef, you're pretty much committing to eating two. 
like just assume if you're like throwing it in your purse because uh, you know you're going to need like a high protein snack for the afternoon. Uh, just put two in. Like it, it really is like it's it's hard to stop. Uh, but again, I'm super excited about the new AAP flavors because this this to me is like it's my new it's my it's my newfound it's my newfound meat joy. Can I well, say that without it sounding dirty? Meat, meat joy is, is, is a word we need to have you say on loop over and over again in the podcast in an embarrassing fashion. Oh my gosh, I'm turning B red right All right, let's move on to some questions before we dig ourselves into a deeper hole. Uh, so we have two questions and there's uh, some aspects where these questions are like completely different, but some aspects where they overlap. So I think what I'm going to do is sort of read Hannah's question and Susan's question together. And then we can start with the part of the question that is like the same answer and then migrate out to what's specific to Hannah's question and what is specific to Susan's question. Hannah says, my family and I are planning our first international trip since the boys were born. We are planning a trip to Europe, Lisbon, Portugal specifically, and would love your advice on a paleo approach to international travel. What are your recommendations on sleep schedules, exercise, and eating, of course, while traveling internationally? I have heard that grains in Europe, including wheat, are not modified in the same way that they are in the U.S., and I am wondering if we could break our paleo template to try some local specialties without risking a health crisis. I love your show and faithfully listen every week while shuttling the boys to various commitments. I think I will be officially starstruck if my question makes it on your show. And that must be why you read her question on the show and <laughs> read it first. No, I'm excited about this question because we are going to Europe on a big trip in a month. So I have lots of ideas that I'm happy to share. Woohoo! Um, so our second question is from Susan. And Susan writes, Hi, ladies. We're pretty new to paleo, and I found your podcast to be an awesome resource. I'm so sorry if you've covered this topic before. My son is currently in a half-day preschool, so he eats lunch at home, but he'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. I know that there won't be much he can eat at the school cafeteria, so I'm wondering what to pack for his lunches and classroom snacks so that he doesn't feel different from the other kids. Also, that one hits home. Um, My kids are a little bit older now, but I am so familiar with the struggle. So I'm excited we get to answer both of these questions. Well, the reason why I pulled them together is because I felt like there's this part of this question that is sort of portable food, packing food for travel or packing food for lunch. I feel like there's a lot in those strategies that is in common. And I really felt like we could tackle the travel portable food portion of this first, and then we can sort of migrate outwards towards other travel strategies slash lunch and school strategies. Absolutely. Um, So I will tell you that portable protein, like chomps, is the absolute number one thing that we carry uh, because it's so easy to find an apple or a banana or vegetables, a salad without dressing. Yes. And even honestly, in Europe, the food is pretty clean. You might even be able to find like snack foods like a bag of chips or something like that. You know, if mm-hmm. you if even if you are trying or can't have fresh foods or whatever, right? Because that's harder when you travel too. So um I think the thing for me when I am prioritizing 
outings for us, whether that's, you know, when we did our New York City walking tour trip and all of that kind of stuff, I think protein first. I think, mm-hmm. you know, what what can I fill with the bag? Because I find that that's really satiating and it is going to be the thing that sustains them for me in a healthy way. And it means that if they eat more carbs or junk food when they go out to dinner at a meal or whatever, I know that they've had a clean protein from whatever snacks we're packing. And so usually what I plan on is two meals a day. Um, So when we're traveling, I think, how are we going to eat breakfast? Breakfast is important because it kind of sets the stage for the rest of the day. And if you you skip it or if you eat junk food or you make it all carbs, um, then usually the rest of the day is not going to go the way that you want it to go. I'm just, this is how I've experienced. And with kids, especially, you're not, you're not trying to like deal with them coming down from a sugar crash, right? So it's true for adults too, but it, it, it takes on a whole new dimension when your kids are having those, like, especially when you have kids who eat healthfully, like at home, and then all of a sudden they're on like the sugar roller coaster traveling. It's not pretty. So I would say, Get yourself a case of chomps with the discount code (laughs) and plan on bringing those with you. Um, I definitely am planning on our cruise to have um, a case type amount of protein that I can just put in my purse each day. We're going to a different city in Europe. And so I will have at least five, one for each of us, but probably more like seven to 10 because some of the boys will want more than one, as we talked about. Um, proteins in my bag. And then I also will keep something like a Lara bar or something a little less meaty because maybe you have your protein and then you're like, I'm still hungry. And then they, then I will share with them something that is not quite as protein rich for a little more satiation. But um, things that are easy to pack and don't get squished and don't go bad are what I think about when I'm trying to think, what can I, what will I be able to put in my purse that's lightweight, it's not bulky, and that I can just put a couple in my bag for the day. And we do the same thing like when we go to amusement parks, we pack our We stay in a hotel or Airbnb that has a kitchen. We have breakfast there. I put protein and snacks in my bag, which is what we have for quote unquote lunch. Uh, But it's not really like a meal that we sit down and eat. Everybody just goes, goes, goes. And then when they are hungry, I'm like, do you want protein? Do you you know, like, what do you want? And then um, we'll have a meal in the evening. And so it saves money. It saves you know, the fighting (laughs) when the sugar crash comes down, if we didn't have something. Um, And it it makes it easy too, if like you're standing in line for something or, you know, you're on the train going from place to place and your kid's like, I'm hungry. It's an easy solution and you don't have to try to find something that works. Yeah, I'm the same. So I actually keep um, sort of protein snacks and chomps has become the new favorite in my purse. I always have some in my glove compartment in my car. And then when I'm traveling, I have some, I usually travel with like the, the giant, you know, bag of it in my suitcase that I can like replenish my, whatever my purse or whatever, like bag I'm, I'm carrying around during the day so that I 
constantly have that protein snack. And then we, I mean, I, apples are so easy to find. Um, I think it's probably important for Hannah's question to sort of emphasize that it, you cannot bring perishable foods across international borders. Typically you can only bring non-perishables. So that basically means something in a wrapper that's unopened will be allowed across the border and something that is like fresh fruits or vegetables or like anything else that you would like pack in a lunchbox is not going to be allowed. And what I do when I travel to Canada is I pack typically like, so when I travel to Canada, I cross the border towards the end of our travel day. And so I pack a lunch, like what's relevant for Susan's question, for the airplane. And then if we don't finish something, we have to throw it out before we cross the border. But then all of the non-perishable foods still get to to cross the border with us. And then we still have something for the rest of, of the trip. And then we, we do, we can't quite do the same thing on the reverse trip because we cross the border early on. So in that case, we are traveling with our meat sticks and then in the airport, we're looking for bananas, apples. Um, sometimes you can get um, like veggies and dip, and then we just throw out the dip. Um, but I typically find that, you know, the fresh fruits and vegetables or uh, a bag of nuts or dried fruit, like those things are typically really easy to find in like airports, in, um, you know, little, even like in a little shop somewhere, it's, it's a little grocery store that you're, or street stand, you're going to be able to find those things. The clean protein is always, is always the hardest. And I, I take a very similar approach to packing my kids' lunches. It's always centered around the protein. And then it's those same foods that round out lunch. So, um, so we do a, a protein and that might be something like a chopstick or it might be something like, um, some deli meat, and then it's carrot sticks, celery sticks, sliced cucumber, apple, grapes, oranges. Um, it's all of those very easy, portable vegetables and fruit. And I think my kids eat more vegetables and fruits than their friends do, which certainly makes them different. But at the same time, like any kid can look over at a lunchbox and see carrot sticks and know what they are. So it's not like it's a, a weird food. Um, it, it may be the proportions are a little bit different, but my kids have never in school had an issue with being teased about their lunches with the exception of my youngest daughter's favorite lunch used to be sardines. And, um, when she, even when she started preschool, she very quickly asked not to have, she wanted, that's what she wanted in her lunch the first week of preschool. And I was like, I, I, are you sure? Maybe we should try something else. And then like after the first week of preschool, she's like, I want the same lunch as my sister. I'm like, yeah, I got it. And I, I don't think it was from the other kids. I actually think it was from the teachers who were making, um, making comments about the smell of her lunch. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I remember Cole coming home in I think it was kindergarten, and telling me that his teacher had made a big deal out of how wonderful it was that he had salad at lunch. That that was his thing. Is he he Cole's favorite is Caesar salad. And we would pack as his vegetable as we have this ebook 
I think it's called paleo to go. <laughs> it's really sad. That's <laughs> been, it's, it's, it's been, been a, a minute. Um, but there's a sheet in there that says like, these are your, these are your favorites that are okay to pack by category. And it was like vegetable, protein, starch, or we might've called it, um, sweet or something like that. Right. And so his and fats, and he had some overlap, like olives were both on his fat list and his vegetable list, but his vegetable list was kind of short because like me, he's not a big fan of raw vegetables. And so he will happily eat leftover roasted Brussels sprouts. But if I put celery or carrots raw in his lunch, he would not be a big fan. And so romaine lettuce, Caesar salad was one of those things that he was totally okay with. And I remember his teacher, like, made him walk like he just was walking on air how proud he was his teacher had said you have healthier lunches than I do Cole um so I I'm sure that teachers mean well but I do think it has an impact sometimes good sometimes bad when anyone an adult or a kid kind of talks about their food so are we ready to roll that into where we think we're going with this uh, second question in terms of what we do think works well in um, school kind of environment. Sure. And then we can come back and, and hit some of the non-food related questions that Hannah asked. Perfect. Okay. So I would say that the things that my kids enjoy taking to school. Now I say enjoy because they do not always get their way. We do not always have packaged foods in the house. And like I said, oftentimes they're getting leftovers or other things. But if you have a child who is going through a sensitive time and is worried about feeling different from other kids, there are a lot of healthy, real food products that can help that transition. And then over time, you replace one of those items with a real food that's fresh and then two that are fresh. And then there's only one that's packaged and maybe it's their in-classroom snack um, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Um, so it's it's not an all or nothing approach, but the foods that my kids are the like the most preferential to taking are the things in packages because it looks the most like what other kids have. And they really like chomps. I've mentioned that. They actually save the chomps for their classroom afternoon snack. We've talked a lot about how protein is a really good option in that late afternoon period. You don't want to be given, you know, only carbs because a lot of the kids have like cookies or chips or whatever. And then the end of their day goes kind of <laughs> um, so I'm like, this is a really good one to save for when you're in the classroom. Um, they also like Lara bars, which if your class is nut free, won't work for you. But Lara bars feels like a dessert and a treat um, mm-hmm. because it's so sweet in how much fruit and, you know, dried fruit, dates, whatever are in it. Um, and then they really like f- fruit snack kind of things. And there's a lot of different brands. We find them at Costco and Trader Joe's and all over. Um, like the pure fruit ones are a really great texture. And then they also have now like a, almost like a fruit roll-up type texture as well. So just read the ingredients and make sure that it's not got extra sugar in it because then you're going to have that like mm, feeling in the afternoon. Have you, have you ever tried Veggie Goes? Um, 
I have personally tried Veggiegos and I leave them in my drawer, but my boys are not a fan of the texture. They're because they're a little drier. I think they like a wet. I think they're they've like, gotten used to a wetter. Oh uh, yeah, they're like old school fruit yeah. leather as opposed to like the stickier yes, exactly. fruit leather. So my kids really like Veggiegos and they're just like vegetable and fruit blends, and I really like them too. I I like to me they are sweet enough because of the fruit, but then I also like that they have vegetables in them as well. So they're, they're a really great option for that vegetable fruit portable in a package. If your kids like the old school fruit leather texture. Of course, there are plantain chips. There are even, um, I've There's seen potato and sweet potato chips now that are made in really healthy fats. Yep. Avocado and coconut oil are the two that we look for, um, and you can get those in cases like on Amazon or some of the partners that we've used before, Shop AIP, um, Thrive Market, pa- uh, Paleo. Why can I not think of things today? One, one, one Stop Paleo Shop and Barefoot Provisions all share all kinds of different um healthy snacks like that. And one of the successful, one of the things that I would say will be the most successful. And if your child is going into school, even preschool, they're capable of doing this, invite them to choose, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are going to be so much more excited about it and less complaining if they've chosen it themselves. So if you go to a site like that, where you know, the options are all going to be clean, just pull it up. This is what I used to do with my boys. I'd say you have a $20 budget and I'd let them choose a couple of different things each. And those were the things that they knew they could go into the pantry and pack in their lunch. When my boys were smaller, that was super effective is letting them choose some of those options. Yeah. And actually we did this when Adele first went to kindergarten. She didn't go to preschool and Mir wasn't in preschool yet. So this, her going into kindergarten was like our first experience with her really eating outside of the house. And we sat down and we had, we made a list and it was very similar to your lists in Paleo on the Go, Paleo to Go, Paleo to Go, your ebook. Yeah, that one. We'll put a link in the show notes. (laughs) This is terrible. Um, I haven't had that, coffee yet this morning, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but that that we really we did sort of like proteins, vegetables, fruit, and fats, and we um, tried to think of as many different options as possible that she would like in her lunch. But I have really stuck to um, packaged foods, typically more as the snack because those stay in the classroom and then fresh foods in a lunchbox with an ice pack so that they, you know, are, are still good by lunchtime. And so my kids, even from the beginning, were eating, granted, we all in my family love raw vegetables. So that makes it pretty easy for us, but like raw vegetables, um, some kind of leftover meat or a, you know, clean, um, uncured lunch meat, um, and then fresh fruit. And then maybe something like, so depending on whether or not they're in a nut-free classroom that year, maybe a handful of some nuts for a fat or some olives, um, or if they're getting uh, a meat that has enough, you know, some fat in it, right? Like that's the nice thing about something like chomps or something like deli meats is that you're getting some healthy fats in if it's made with a high-quality meat into the, the food itself. So, um, and that has worked really well in the sense that, 
their energy level is really even throughout the day. I feel really good about their nutrition. They physically feel really good. And then they get their food that is more of a packaged food. But again, even for their snacks, we really try to focus on um, something that is protein-centered so that their snacks aren't um, like we we did Lara bars for a while, and that was like too much sugar for a snack by itself for my kids. Um, so these days they are bringing a chopstick and like a sliced apple, I and mean, we have these little containers that have an ice pack that like slots right into the lid. Um, and so the apple, if you stick with a hard variety of apple, um, you know, something like my kid's favorite is Fuji, but anything that's, that's not a soft variety, it'll stay, it won't brown very fast. And if it stays cold because of the ice pack and the lid, um, like the Fuji apples don't brown at all by the time the kids are eating them. Even if they came home in the afternoon and they were like, oh, you know, I wasn't hungry at snack time and I didn't eat my apple, that apple is still fine for them to eat for their afternoon snack. So we've we've really sort of migrated towards a like protein and fresh fruits and vegetable model with I would say like all meals actually is pretty much how it goes. Um but even with their their lunches, their snacks, um berries are another fresh fruit mm-hmm. that stays well. Like we we do that a lot specifically with Wesley. He he loves fruit and so we'll do like blueberries and blackberries, those will stay really well without being refrigerated all day. Yeah, I would say raspberries are the exception there, um, depending on – I think raspberries can kind of they're, – they're not as portable. Um, but strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, I'm trying to think of any – grapes I think are technically berries. Are grapes berries? Hmm. I don't think so because they're vine and not bush. Who knows? Grapes are a good option. <laughs> grapes are a great option too i'm trying to think so like strawberries are technically not berries they're technically an accessory fruit because their seeds are on the outside instead of on the inside but like blueberries and blackberries and raspberries the seeds are on the inside and so are grapes i don't know i don't know <gasps> stacy i'm not sure well there's always the google um <laughs> and if you're not sure about that that's less embarrassing than me not remembering the name of my ebook. So, (laughs) or even hashtag truth. Um, and I think the other thing, just as like a final note on Susan's question before we, we, um, sort of circle back to the rest of Hannah's question is remaining, like keeping that open dialogue with our kids. So being willing to troubleshoot. So, you know, Oh, Hey, this, you know, your friend thought this food was weird and that made you feel really sad. Well, what's something else that's healthy that we could put in that place? And um, and sometimes it's just a question of, um, you know, encouraging our kids to have confidence in what they're eating. But sometimes it's also a question of, well, like, okay, well, if your friend thinks that cherry tomatoes in your lunch is really weird, you know, what's another vegetable that you like that can take that place? Or if your friend thinks olives in your lunch is really weird, what's another fat that we can put in your lunch that takes that place? And, um, and so just, I I think, I mean, granted, this is just parenting in general, but, um, communicating and being adaptable as much as possible while also recognizing where it's important to sort of stick to our guns. Um, I think that, that, applies even to school lunches and can help our kids, you know, wherever we can make their lunches, something that they like, and that's tasty, but also doesn't make them feel like they're different than all their friends. Like that's, that's obviously the best situation. All right. Talking about 
travel when it comes to schedule. We ready to move on? Yeah. I know that you and I have each done a lot of um, time zone hopping, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like from book tours to, you know, I travel to California multiple times a year for beauty counter events. And it is, it is intense on the body. And especially um, if you yourself have autoimmune or other health conditions already, adding being a parent and the intensity of that stress on top of it is so much worse. Um, We are going to Europe in April, the beginning of April. And some of the things that I've done to prepare for that are A, when I booked the flight, I booked a direct flight. And not everybody has that option depending on where you're going or what the cost Mm -hmm. is, but I did a lot of research and we based our trip around a time of year that would be more affordable that we could do that because um, while having a layover means you can get off the plane and walk around or whatever, it makes your travel day that much longer. And having gone through international travel stops myself where there's a layover, um, you have to go through security again and you're like rushing to meet your plane almost always because of the length of time that that takes. And I imagined myself like the Griswolds running through the airport or like the Home Alone family, right? Like I literally have these visions of my family being those families as we're trying to make our flight and and travel. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to not be that family? <laughs> because it, it spirals so quickly. Um, so I made the choice to to book a direct flight. And I chose a time that I felt like would be ideal. Um, Given the time change, it is going to be almost like a red eye. We're getting on the plane at five. And then when we get off the plane, it's morning in Rome. And I'm planning on having melatonin for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm planning on feeding them a meal with carbohydrate right when we get on the plane and then take their melatonin and then hopefully they'll sleep the whole way there and everything will be great. Um, <laughs> this is my vision, right? <laughs> it's going to oh, be, we're going to have to have a, a check-in show when you get back. When I get back to, to tell you that if that works. was successful. Yeah. Well, this, this is my plan. And, and if I believe and have positively positivity, <laughs> that's how it's yep. going to go. I'm going to sure. manifest it. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing to consider is when you are flying international or for like that West Coast trip, meals are often included. And these days you can choose um, food sensitivities, allergens, and those kinds of things on your flight meal. So even if you're booking through a third party, um, call the airline once you've booked your trip if you didn't have the option to choose, for example, gluten-free or you know, there's like vegetarian options, kosher options, whatever. Um, I always call the airline after I've booked and I say that we need gluten-free meals. And that way too, you know that whatever is offered in addition to what you've packed and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, there are some options for you on the plane that they will reserve for your seats because otherwise, you know, they go front to plane to back to plane and they, you might run out of the nuts that you might want and they'll offer you, you know, some gluten crackers or pretzels or something instead. And you're like, no, I yeah. don't want that. Um, so those are my tips for actually 
on the plane. Do you have any others? Um, bring some form of entertainment um, beyond. So my kids always are in charge of packing up their own backpacks and they have to carry their own food, uh, their own um, reusable like water bottle that they um, it goes through security empty and then they fill it from a water fountain when we get it through security. And, um, and then they have to bring some kind of entertainment. So they'll bring a book, uh, maybe like a coloring book and some, um, colored pencils. They might bring, um, uh, they might bring a, a screen, you know, a device. Um, but I have been on planes where the in-seat entertainment system hasn't, has been broken. And, uh, granted your kids won't need it because they'll be sleeping the whole way. But having some kind of backup plan in terms of um, entertainment is really useful. And then anything that will help your kids sleep. So um, when Adele was young, she would bring her blankie. She obviously has outgrown her blankie now that she's a big 12-year-old. But uh, her blankie was always part of what was in her backpack when she was little. Um, And Mira still brings a teddy bear. Um, because she's nine and she knows that teddy bears are cool. So she always brings something like that. And then, uh, you know, if you're actually doing a European trip, there will be like pillows and and blankets that your kids can use. We'll often end up on trips where um, we're not necessarily doing a red eye, but say the last three hours of the trip are like what feels like 9 p.m. to midnight for my kids as we're traveling west. And so we're hitting beyond their bedtime, and I'm just trying to get them to nap a little bit because they're going to get to bed pretty late. And I know that they'll be up at 4 a.m. because that's the way traveling to the West Coast works when you have kids. Um, so often it's not, you know, giving them melatonin, but just trying to get them to, like, relax and and maybe just have a snooze. Um, and... Typically, Mira will and Adele won't. And I think I started traveling with my kids. I, I took my first trip with them when Mira, when the, long before Mira was even a twinkle, um, but when Adele was four months old. And I think I've had every different possible kind of trip with my kids, including the one where my kid was the one who screamed the whole way on the plane, which was awful. That's never going to happen to me. <laughs> it was awful. And it wasn't everyone kept looking back and just going, oh, is it her ears? And I just went, yes, because it wasn't it wasn't her ears at all. But like the yeah. other passengers yeah. could understand her ears. It was because she didn't want to sit still. She did not. She wanted to crawl up and down the aisle. She was eight months old, I think. She couldn't walk yet. She just wanted to move around and crawl. She didn't understand why she had to sit in a chair for five hours. And she uh, screamed the entire yeah. trip. I was so frustrated. And you're not the only one. And listeners, if that's happened to you or you're afraid of that, you're not the only one. Honestly, that happened to me once when Cole was, um, I think it was like 14 months or something, because he was still nursing, but he was older. Mm-hmm. And I remember like forcing him to nurse almost. Like I wouldn't normally <laughs> nurse that much or offer it to him at that age. Like I would wait for him to ask. But on that trip, I was just like, let's just nurse because it does help with the ears, but it also was a comfort. So I think really it depends on your kid and what their struggle is. Like you, Sarah, you know, if, if your kid wants to go up and down the aisles, if they want to stay busy or whatever, you know, your kids and their 
likelihood for what will be a trigger for them. You know, if crowds are a trigger, if, you know, they have ear sensitivities from going up in the altitude, like look into if they have um, motion sickness, right? If there's different things like that, like look into what you could potentially do to cut that off at the pass. I know when we went on our cruise last year, um, Cole gets motion sickness really easily. And I was worried about that. Fortunately, he actually had zero problems, but I did a lot of research. I got like one of those bracelets. I had Mm -hmm. different kinds of really work. Well, it actually did. Um, I mean, we got it for him and he wore it the first day. And then I was like, okay, well, if you're not feeling anything, maybe don't wear the bracelet today and then it'll be fine. Um, but he didn't need it, but there were a ton of people on the cruise ship who saw him wearing it that first day who like saw him and were like oh isn't that the best it works so well for me as well my little brother had one of those for car trips in the 80s wow i know we'll right? put it we'll put a link in, super cool we'll put a link in the show notes to what we're talking about if you have no idea if you have if you it's have like a little pressure, anybody with car sickness it, it hits a pressure point in in your wrist that um somehow magically makes motion sickness go away that's my scientific explanation. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> um, but there, there are so many different things that you as a parent, you know your kid best, you know what might be a trigger and just anticipate it. And for me, you know, we have a post on the blog about non-screen busy ideas for when you're traveling because mm-hmm. we've driven to Florida and back a few times. Um, we did a road trip from, you know, San Francisco to LA and California, and we didn't want the boys buried in their screens. We wanted them to enjoy the trip that we were taking, to look out the window and look at the scenery and different kinds of things like that. So there's a lot of family-centered car games that you can play. I love those mm-hmm. ones where you kind of ask each other questions and you talk and engage with one another. Um, but there's also things like car bingo and and coloring and different kinds of things. And all of those could apply on a plane as well. So I I would just say, while you can, as a parent, do everything you can to anticipate a problem and be prepared for it, sometimes stuff just happens. And every parent everywhere has been there. And while there might be you know, a crabby person on the plane, for the most part, people are empathetic. People bring um, noise canceling headphones. If they don't want to hear it, they can put it on, (laughs) Um, you know, and just, you can't worry about anybody else. You can only worry about yourself and your family. So just don't get caught up in, you know, what anybody else thinks, because like everything in life, what other people's opinion of you does not matter. What matters is, what you feel and how you can help your family. And so just don't even worry about the haters as Taylor Swift would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I, I think that again, this, this falls back onto a sort of bigger parenting strategies in general, but much of this is just sort of rolling with the punches and taking these things as learning experiences. So the next time's even better. Um, You know, there's certain things that you, you just, I mean, just in general, right? With kids, things are unpredictable. Um, I never thought, for example, that my kids would think that licking the cats as babies was like the most fun thing ever. And I had to (laughs) stop them from trying to lick. And the cat thought it was great. I'm sure because they they saw the cat licking itself and they were like, ooh, let me get in on that. Um, That's hysterical. Crawling babies chasing after the cat to lick them. And so... Uh, I, the first time I ever said a phrase that I was like, wow, I just never thought I would have to say the, these types of things as a parent. And of course that's happened 
hundreds of times since, but was like, Adele, stop licking the cat. You know, just things as a parent, you find yourself saying that you just go, wow, I just, this, I didn't predict this, that parenthood would make me say this sentence. Uh, and a lot of those experiences have happened traveling as well. Um, and so, so yes, roll with the punches. I think there's one other aspect of Hannah's question that I do want to cover, which is the idea of eating wheat in Europe when you're traveling. And some people do legitimately do really well with, uh, European, European, breads. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So they do have, um, they, they are, their grains are a little bit different. So they're using an older variety that hasn't been modified as much. It actually has their, their bread does have about the same amount of gluten. It's not, gluten is not the difference. Um, the difference is in something called trypsin amylase inhibitors. So these are digestive enzymes inhibitors that cause colitis, they cause, you know, inflammation in your intestines. And the modern varieties that are grown in the US have like 100 times more trypsin amylase inhibitors than heirloom varieties, um, which are more closer to what's grown in Europe. And so um, that's one of the biggest difference between like modern grains and these older grains. And then the breads are also like if you get a sourdough, it's typically fermented for longer. Um, their process is a little bit different. They don't have the same number of, right. It's fresh bread made by a a bakery. It's, it's doesn't have the other ingredients added, uh, like preservatives compared to what people might eat. Um, so some people, um, especially people who are not celiac and who are, um, not reacting to the gluten per se in the grains do really well eating, bread or other grain-based products in Europe. Other people get just as sick. And so you don't really know which one of those you are until you have tried and found out if you're fine or if you're really sick. So I think this is a very individual choice. I can tell you that I personally would not eat bread in Europe. um, And I probably would not be excited about my kids doing it either. Because if we do get sick on our European vacation or purely at this point, hypothetical European vacation, uh, that's going to really put a damper on everything else that we're doing. Um, there Can are I, things. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was just going to echo that and add from personal experience, having gone to Europe, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that will ever eat wheat. I have celiac and I have an anaphylactic reaction. So when Someone says, what What about a recommendation to um, approach paleo on an international travel and potentially eating more? I think it's about determining what those exceptions might be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in our concept, we go back to how we described it in terms of real life paleo, right? Like where your ideal is that later phase of nutrient dense foods without much stuff. But when we're traveling, we might go back to kind of a phase one approach where we're eliminating the foods that we know really cause our body harm and whatever that looks like for you. Um, but I would say like when, when you're traveling in general, your body is less stressed because you're not working, you're not 
you know, worried about household responsibilities, your, your body and your hormones are going to naturally kind of relax, which will help digestion and a bunch, bunch of other stuff. I know I've gone on travel before and I've forgotten my supplements and been like paranoid that my digestion is just going to fall apart. Um, this was years ago when I was taking um, oxbile at every meal and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to have so much problems. And turns out my digestion was fine because I was relaxed and I didn't have the same level of stress. And so I was able to digest better. And then when I went to Europe, what's also really great is that they are really understanding and accommodating to gluten-free more so than mm -hmm. in America. There's a higher incidence of celiac in Europe, despite the fact that their wheat is less modified. They have higher known rate of celiac, which is, anyway, that's another topic altogether. Um, but at almost every place that I went, they had gluten-free options from pizza to pasta to crackers. And I would say at breakfast at the hotel, like I just wanted eggs and coffee because I was gluten-free. And the minute that they heard gluten-free, they would bring out like a bajillion options of different things for me to choose from. And it was all corn-based. And so I couldn't eat it because I unfortunately um, do not do well with corn. Um, but for a lot of people, if you're paleo now and you know where your where your trigger foods, like your really bad foods of, on what they might do to you, you know, like I, my personal opinion is enjoy your vacation. So mm -hmm. if that means to not eat wheat because you're going to be sick and it won't be enjoyable, or if it means to for me, my kids are going to all enjoy those gluten-free corn-based things that the Europeans bring out, right? Like they're going to be thrilled at all of the options that they have in the places that we go. So um, I think it really just uh, depends. But I wanted to to mention that thing about European and specifically wheat because while some people say that they're fine with it, it's also important to understand that they actually speak most cities in Europe – especially the big ones that you would be traveling to are going to be more accommodating to gluten-free than you might anticipate here in America. And last point, I made a little, um, Matthew made me little travel cards to each uh, yeah. different language area that we went to. And so I knew how to say, I cannot have tomatoes, corn, or gluten in every language. And the Italians, when I told them I couldn't have tomatoes, like they went and got a second person to make sure that I was saying it right. Cause they didn't believe me. <laughs> like they were like, what's wrong with like, you? But that's our main food. Exactly. Like, how can you not eat a tomato? Um, but it was it was fantastic to know that I knew exactly how to say the things that I that would make me sick. And I just had like a little card that I kept in my wallet that allowed me to to have those sentences and gave me a lot of confidence that even if the person serving me didn't speak English, that I could still communicate my needs because I think it can be really intimidating when you're in a place where people don't speak English, um, communicating what those some some of those restrictions are. Yes, I think um, that is amazing advice. I think uh, as to just take the like the the thirty thousand foot view, when it comes to travel, it really helps to have been uh, on your sort of health journey long enough to have a really good sense of what the lines you can and can't cross are. Whether or not you want to try a reintroduction during travel that you're not sure about. So let's say 
um, you have been nightshade free and you're going to Italy and you want to try tomatoes, that becomes a very individual choice. So um, tra- like reintroductions during traveling can be very amazing because you're taking advantage of an opportunity to try a new food, right, in a place where it's going to be absolutely delicious. And it can also, because of the impact of stress on how our immune systems function, sometimes reintroductions will go better when you're traveling and then you'll come home and try eating that food and suddenly notice a reaction. So just as a heads up, that can happen. So if you think you're going to try some foods traveling that you don't know, you like you don't know where your line is with regards to that food, I would just recommend thinking in advance of like how you have reacted negatively maybe to some other foods that you've tried um, and what you can pack to help yourself recover more rapidly. So if you know that that thing, if it goes really poorly, is going to have you uh, on the toilet for a few hours afterwards, like what, um, what particular thing can you pack that would help alleviate that symptom, um, or help, you know, maybe it's just a question of trying it on a day where, you know, your next day is not super busy so that if you are kind of stuck in your hotel room, it's going to be okay. Um, so just try, if you, if you think you might be a little bit cavalier with the reintroductions like that, that's a totally legitimate choice. And, Um, I understand the allure of wanting to do that. So just think ahead of maybe that means packing, you know, some ginger tablets or something for an upset stomach, Um, right? Or uh, some curcumin tablets if you're going to have joint pain, right? So maybe it just means like packing something extra just in case that new food doesn't go as well as you hoped. So again, planning ahead is is where where we end up some total. Definitely. Well, I think we have managed to answer all of these questions. We don't normally have two and we jumped all around. So hopefully it was helpful. Um, I love that we talked about kids in school and stuff too, because we haven't really talked about that in a long time, but it is such an important that's, part of each of our lives. Do you know that's what our first, our very first show was? Oh Yeah. That was our very, very first show. Well, I think it's such a common question that we get. And I think we've been doing it so long, it's become inherent to us. But for those people who either have, you know, had younger kids who are now going into school or who are starting this Real Foods approach for the first time, it's important to revisit. So I just want to remind everybody that if you do want some on-the-go protein, we love and recommend, and thank you to our sponsor, Chomps, who is giving you 20% off by going to chomps.com slash thepaleoview, and you can use the code thepaleoview for 20% off plus free shipping on their products. Thanks, Chomps, for sponsoring the show. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. My tea is not as hot as I thought it was. (laughs) There's a solution to this problem. Yeah. But I'm good. I have hot tea. I get to podcast while drinking a caffeinated beverage, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be so you're, much. You're fun. combining our two loves: daytime podcasting and daytime drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm still in my pajamas. So, uh, because that's the kind of morning I'm having, I haven't had time to get dressed yet.
So I get to still have like the comfort factor. I'm very excited. I just like totally freaked myself out and it was just the cord of my headset, but it like hit my leg in a weird way. And I like, <laughs> like jumped and like looked down thinking like what is on my leg and it's just the cord. It's a snake in the wintertime that's come into your home to join you for recording the Paleo View podcast. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Maybe it was a Pokemon. Maybe you've been playing them so much that they've come to life. <laughs> uh, that's possible. It's totally, totally possible. Right after Pokemon Day, it's totally possible. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.